Thank you, Jeannie. What a great time of worship. And um, Jeannie, thank you for that prayer. Uh, I trust that your heart is uh, joined with hers. We are together in the presence of the Holy Spirit, bound together by Him as we uh, submit ourselves now to His Word. We are in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things sound fantastic. We wish we had more of them in our lives, and uh, that's what we're looking at. We want to get really practical about what the Spirit of God produces in us. It's a singular fruit, perhaps best summarized simply as Christ-likeness that the Spirit produces in us. Sin manifested by the works of the flesh, which you can read in the passage just a little bit before that, a sin manifested in the works of the flesh is often a specialized expression in our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, few people are so debauched, they're a well-rounded sinner. Uh, Most of us have personalized patterns of sin that we fall into. The the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, is entirely different. It's full-orbed. We can't say, well, your specialization uh, in Christ is goodness while mine is patience. Now, sometimes those things show up in our lives kind of in those ways. But in actual fact, the totality of the fruit of the Spirit should be manifested in our lives because it's the expression of the fullness of the character of Jesus Christ. And so it is produced by the Spirit as we dwell and abide in Christ and are filled Uh, by the Spirit. So we learned last week, if I'm walking with Christ, I must be growing in my love for God and love for people, growing in the depth of joy in my heart, and uh, growing in being at peace in all circumstances. So let's consider what these ones would look like in our lives. Patience, which uh, we're actually going to translate as endurance, uh, kindness, and goodness. So if I'm walking with Christ I must be growing in these things. Father, I pray that as we again submit ourselves to your word, uh, together in the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you will produce in us through your word uh, that which is pleasing to you. And Father, we fully admit that we need to lay ourselves before you and only you can do this work. Father, we need a relationship with you that's living and active. And so we pray that as we submit ourselves to your word, You'll strengthen us to receive it and to live it out today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, uh, if I'm walking with Christ, I must be growing in endurance that can take it. Uh, Most of us are probably uh, most aware of our lack of patience or endurance in two areas, uh, driving and parenting. But as the Spirit works in us, we become aware of so many other areas where we are uh, literally short-tempered, where we don't take very much. And uh, God wants to speak to us about those things. So interestingly, uh, there's two Greek words translated as patience in the New Testament. We're very familiar with one. Hupomene means remaining under, as one bears up under a burden. It refers to steadfastness in difficult circumstances. It's about remaining under and refusing to squeeze out from under the pressure. We're going to uh, look a little bit at that in a moment. Uh, The word that's used here, however, is macrothumia, 
which is used, uh, it's a compound word formed by a word for long and a word for passion or temper. And it, patience in this case, endurance in this case, literally means long temper or the ability to hold one's temper for a long time. It's uh, translated in the King James Version as long-suffering. Like, okay, that's just laziness, right? Like long-suffering long. Uh, that's what it is, though. A patient person is slow to anger as he waits for God to provide comfort and to punish wrongdoing. As a fruit of the Spirit, we can possess macrothumia through the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this kind of endurance is putting up with hardship for as long as it takes. It's the ability to hold one's temper for a long time. It isn't just about uh, letting time go by and just hanging in there. It's actually about putting up with difficult circumstances without losing it. It is endurance that can take it. How often do we have to confess that we don't have this? We'll say things like, you know this was happening and well, I just lost it. And we often say that like we're proud of it. Well, I just lost it. That's not a good thing. Think about this. Losing it seems powerful. Like, I'm taking control here. I have headed up to here, young man. You are going to listen to me. And we just like lose it. And it seems so powerful because we seem so dominating. And we're finally taking control. But losing patience is actually a sign of weakness. Endurance comes from a position of power. It comes from knowing your identity in Jesus Christ. It comes from being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And in that power, uh, we have uh, the ability to do the right thing. And so a person may have the ability to take revenge or cause trouble. But this endurance brings self-restraint and careful thinking. You can see that in a real sense, the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are actually working together. That's why it's a full-orbed expression of the Spirit of Christ. We can see these things coming together um, here, here's an example in uh, Scripture, the record of David and Abigail found in 1 Samuel 25. Account summary here, Abigail was married to Nabal. Uh, the woman, verse 3 says, was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly be behaved. He was a Calebite. And we're not told how long they had been married, uh, but that sounds like a recipe for disaster. And Abigail likely didn't have any choice in it. Here's this uh, beautiful and discerning woman married to a badly behaved, harsh man. And she just has to put up with it. And so she's hanging in there. She's uh, doing the best. As the account unfolds, we find that David had been protecting Nabal's interest and asked for a little consideration. Uh, he, however, shuns David, who reacts by wielding his power to wipe Nabal and all his household out. Uh, Abigail, used to enduring churlish men, <laughs> responds with discernment and encourages David to self-restraint and wins this accolade in verse 33. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Abigail had endurance that could take it, not doing nothing, but acting with wisdom and restraint. 
Uh, here's God's reward. In the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him and he became as a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Um, what was the application here? Um, Let's make sure that we're sticking to what we're talking about. We're talking about endurance that can uh, take it. And so uh, here's some other verses that summarize what we're talking about. Uh, Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Uh, Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Or verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. All of these are expressions of endurance that can take it. Endurance that doesn't lose its temper. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, And here's Paul quoting Proverbs. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Hebrews 6.12 tells us that this kind of endurance is uh, what made our fathers, our fathers of the faith, um, uh, uh, inherit the promises. Hebrews 6, 12, so do not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience, endurance without losing it, inherit the promises. Ephesians 4, 2, encourage us with all humility and gentleness, with endurance without losing it, uh, bearing with one another in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the well-known passage about love says uh, that love is patient. It endures without losing its temper. So here's the soul care application of hanging in there. Uh, We've seen these biblical categories for heart responses before. And uh, often instead of remaining under hupomene, uh, we tend to squeeze out from the pressures of life by giving in to one of these other basic sinful heart responses, usually giving in to fear or running to a pleasure and addictions or uh, giving up in despair. What's the use? In this case... Instead of hanging in there with uh, self-control, we tend to blow up under pressure by turning to anger in control. Now, suffering long doesn't mean we do nothing. It is that we do not lose our temper. We do not lose our self-control. We do not give in to frustration. It's endurance that can take it. And once again, we see the various fruits of the Spirit strengthening one another so that I can endure and take it without losing it. So here's a question for you. Am I easily set off when things go wrong or people irritate me? Or am I able to keep a godly perspective in the face of life's irritations? Do I have endurance that can take it? Well, here's the second thing. If I'm walking with Christ, I must be growing in kindness that can give it. Kindness that can give it. Kindness is that quality of doing right by one another. That warm-hearted softness we show to those we care about. And that we should show to everyone, according to Scripture. When kindness is at work in a person's life, he looks for ways to adapt to meet the needs of others. And so in a very real way, it's, it's a, a kindness that's oriented to the other person. 
2 Timothy 2.24, it says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Kindness should mark leaders, particularly in the church. And I take that kind of personally. Am I kind? And so let's look at what kind people do. Kind people are generous in all things. It's the opposite of being mean-spirited, cheap, legalistic, or narrow-minded. The kind person is first aware of what God has done for them and then is moved to uh, be open and generous to others. It's open and generous with time, with affection, with reward and encouragement. Sometimes it's translated gentleness. And so uh, we often think that being kind is just a nice disposition, an act or a gesture. But Scripture is talking about acting for the good of another person. The word krestostes is a selfless act, looking for nothing in return, and it meets a need. A great example of this in Scripture is a woman named Dorcas, or Tabitha, as she's also known. The account is found in Acts chapter 9. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please, come to us without delay. So Peter arose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to an upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord." So here was a woman uh, just meeting practical needs in such a way that she was appreciated and greatly mourned. And God, in His kindness, restored her to life and restored her to to those people that loved her. But I want to notice something about kindness. Kindness is not just good acts that meet the needs of others. It's also the absence of malice. Part of the connotation of this word is that it's benign. Benign is a word that indicates there's no malignancy or harm in effect. Kindness does not do unintentional harm. So when I was young, um, our sewer plugged up, and so um, my parents called in a plumber. And so he's down in the basement, and as an inquisitive, you know, 10-year-old, I was down there. and, And the man was smoking a pipe that had the most aromatic tobacco I had ever smelled it was it was just a beautiful scent and uh, like I was enthralled with it and you know he could kind of tell and kind of looking at my kid and he says uh, hey hey um he could tell I was pretty um impressed with his pipe and so he took it apart and he showed me a little part of it he said look look in here there see this this is a filter it takes the bad stuff out but not all the bad stuff so don't you ever start smoking he was just trying to, you know, he, he was trying to steer me away from it. So I asked him, well, if it doesn't take all the bad stuff up, why do you smoke it? And he says, well, it's a kindness that I do to myself. When I open this pipe here, um, I'm going to appreciate the smell of that tobacco. And uh, he was right. And I became even more enthralled with the smell of his tobacco, not less. But um, the problem with his kindness to himself was it it isn't this kind of kindness because we recognize that his kindness to himself still had a malignancy in it 
there was something dangerous in the kindness that he was showing himself. And I'm saying all that to point out that sometimes our kindnesses still have a malignancy in them. They're not really oriented towards serving God and serving the needs of others. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes our kindness is actually condescending. I'll give you this because you're just so needy. Uh, Sometimes our kindness is condemning. I'll give you this even though you don't deserve it and you haven't earned it. Like, Like I have earned the kindness that I've received? Not likely. Or finally, uh, sometimes our kindness is controlling. I'll give you this if you'll do this. Now, no, no, there's nothing wrong with a quid pro quo. Uh, There's nothing wrong with negotiating a deal. But, But let's call it a deal. Let's not cover up expectations with kindness and flowery words when we're not really just being kind for you, I'm being kind because I want something back. That's not the kind of kindness. And so often our kindness has a malignancy in it. And I honestly believe that people know that. And so often our kindness isn't, uh, isn't received well. You go like, that isn't the spirit-produced kind of kindness that God is trying to produce in us. And how do I know this? It's because God started with me with kindness. Romans 2.4 says, Do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Listen, what led me to repentance was God being kind to me. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In heaven, listen, just being there is going to show that God was kind to us because we don't deserve that. Titus 3.4 is a wonderful uh, expression of this. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. God's kindness to us is the precursor to His saving us. And so that's an important question. Have you received the kindness of God? Will you be in heaven to celebrate the kindness that He poured out on us through Christ? Have you uh, come to salvation because, have you repented because of the kindness of God? I have to confess, I talk to a lot of people and I really wonder how many of us are presuming on the kindness of God. Because we're doing things that are out of character with how the the kindness and mercy that He's shown to us. And I'm guilty of this. We need to become aware of God's kindness to us and respond to it in repentance and faith. And so let me encourage you. God has been kind to you. Respond to Him today by receiving Him as your Savior, by receiving Christ, receiving the salvation and the life that's in Christ And so that the kindness of God is really completed in you. And then the Holy Spirit will come to dwell with your spirit and will produce in you this very kindness that God has shown to you. Listen, um, this is an important point. You can tweet this and I'll take the flack for it. You are not agreeing with someone's position or their lifestyle or approving their sin when you show kindness. You are leading them to salvation. So let's be kind to people. Let's be kind to one another. Let's be kind to people who are not like us. Let's be kind to people who are literally against us. You're not approving of them. 
you're being kind. I'll temper that statement with our next point. But uh, just before we go there, let me ask you this question then. Is it my goal to serve others with kindness? Or am I actually focused on my own needs and desires or, or, and problems? Am I letting the goodness of God overflow out of my life to others? Am I becoming softer, warmer, kinder? I really should be. So let's take a look around us and find someone to whom you can show true kindness produced by the Holy Spirit as an overflow of God's mercy to you. Let's do that. Finally, if I'm walking with Christ, I must be growing in goodness that can prove it. The Greek word here is uh, agathsune, defined as uprightness of heart and life. Agathsune is goodness for the benefit of others. Uh, not goodness simply for the sake of being uh, known as righteous. Um, let me ask you this question. Are you a do-gooder? Uh, oftentimes that word is used des- derisively. Oh, here are the do-gooders. Uh, that's because sometimes do-gooders are more about themselves than about others. The true do-gooders uh, find that those whom they are doing good to are not derisive towards them. They're very thankful So the key difference between kindness and goodness is that kindness mainly involves being generous and considerate and helping others, whereas goodness involves righteousness in action or doing what is right. Kindness and goodness are two virtues you should cultivate together in your life to be a full expression of the life of Christ in you. So goodness in you desires to see goodness in others. It's not above confronting or even rebuking just like Jesus did with the money changers in the temple. Um, Goodness is understanding what is right and making it happen. Goodness is righteousness in action. Goodness doesn't mean that you're perfect, but rather you're someone who sincerely reflects the integrity of God within. Goodness is holding firm to what's right. It reminds me of a sign I once saw. I should have bought it. I should have bought it when I saw it. Uh, Always tell the truth, even if your voice shakes. And that's what goodness is. Goodness is uh, being moved to action, uh, to holiness in action. It's a life characterized by deeds that are motivated by uh, righteousness and a desire to be a blessing. And so it's not not just blessing people. uh, It's moved uh, by the righteousness of God and for the righteousness of God to do good in the world and to others. And so twinned with, with, um, with kindness, it's a powerful thing. Uh, this is actually how Jesus lived in Acts 10, 37 and 38. We read, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's what we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, receiving power to do good, to do righteousness in His name. An example of uh, goodness in Scripture is King Hezekiah. Uh, He was an example of goodness when he took the throne of Judah. Uh, The temple of God was in disrepair. Idols were set up across the land. And so Hezekiah saw what was right and took action to make things right. He reinstates the priests of God. He brings the people from all over Israel to celebrate the Passover. He removes the idols. The Bible says that Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 31 
Uh, Hezekiah did what was good and right and true before the, Lord, before the Lord his God, and everything he did, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. I was, uh, as part of my regular Bible reading, I was reading the book of Esther, and uh, I think another good example of goodness and standing for virtue uh, is the incident that kicks the book off, Queen Vashti. And so uh, the king is... Uh, putting on this great big huge banquet that lasted forever and lots of drinking. And uh, at the end of it, he, he calls for Vashti to come and be paraded before him and all his drunken buddies. And she refuses to be eye candy for him and his drunken buddies. Uh, she did what was good. She uh, stood for something righteous and virtuous uh, against evil. Uh, there's a, a lady in our day, who has stood up uh, for a long time by herself for what is good and right. Her name is Rachel Den Hollander. She wrote a book, What is a Girl Worth?, that we read recently as a staff. And her journey encourages a direct example of living out goodness with endurance, hanging in there without losing it, uh, doing what is good and right, really for the sake of others, putting herself on the line. Uh, you can watch uh, that story on Netflix also in a film called Athlete A. So here's a, a question about that. Does my life reflect the holiness of God? And do I desire to see others experience God at a deep level in their own lives? When I know what is right, do I follow through and do it? It's one thing to know what's good and talk about what's good, but it's another to put it into effect. So goodness paired with a gentle kindness gives power to my influence for Christ as a Christ follower to point people to the Savior. And so the fruit of the Spirit working together in my life, being worked out in my life is a powerful, powerful witness. Now listen, so often when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the core of our message is, hey, just be more loving, be more kind, be more forgiving. The problem is, we are not able to live that way in our own power. It's only when we stay connected to Jesus that these characteristics flow out of our lives. Instead, the message needs to be this. Stay connected to Jesus. Walk with Him. Abide in Him and good stuff comes out of your life. Why? Because when we nurture our relationship with God, we are filled with the Spirit. We submit to Him and we become more loving and kind and forgiving. It's what naturally happens as a result of what God is doing in and through us. We do not produce the fruit of the Spirit through self-will or positive thinking. The Holy Spirit who lives in us as we abide in Him and walk with Christ creates these things in us as we submit to Him. The deeper and fuller our submission, the greater our spiritual development in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is the goal. Submission to the Spirit is the means. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you live in us. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, if we've responded to your invitation to receive you as our Savior, to receive the forgiveness of sins, thank you that you've promised you'll never leave us or forsake us. And that's true because your Spirit lives with us in our body and strengthens us as we yield to you. And so, Father, thank you that we have everything we need. The power that Jesus walked this earth in is available to us. And so, Father, we pray as we submit to you that we will experience that power in our lives, producing in us 
this fruit of the Spirit that works together in our lives to give us a powerful influence for you that changes us to be genuine uh, people of integrity, living out the character of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we uh, just want to lay ourselves before you afresh. Father, we want to set our hearts on you to receive your power, to receive uh, the character of Jesus Christ and to see it lived out uh, in and through us. Father, we know that we have to cooperate with you in doing that. It's uh, something we can't do it on our own, but you won't do it without us. And so, Father, we uh, set our hearts on you and unite our hearts to you in the power of the Holy Spirit to see you work in us. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So think about this harvest. Think how a gentle kindness paired with righteous goodness that hangs in there without losing it expresses a love for God and people that's filled with joy and peace. What a beautiful expression of the life of Christ in us. And we are not finished. Tune in next week as Pastor Dwayne adds gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Thank you for joining us, Harvest. You are loved.